0: Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Welcome in, everybody, to the Beyond the Game program. Very glad, very honored to have you with us as well. You can find us at btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. Beyond the Game is a radio ministry featuring just a couple of sports fans talking sports, doing it from a faith-based point of view. The program is recorded in the BTG studio in Rochester, New York, but thanks to modern technology, the show is heard all around the world via podcast. For instance, last week's program was not only downloaded in the Netherlands, but also in Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania, among many other places throughout the globe. Wilkesbury is just about an hour or so north of Pottsville, Pennsylvania. And while the program was not downloaded necessarily in Pottsville, Wilkesbury was close enough for this clumsy way of telling you that Pottsville is the birthplace of legendary Notre Dame women's basketball coach Muffet McGraw who announced her retirement this week after I think it was 33 years with the Fighting Irish. Oh, wow. Nine Final Four appearances, seven championship game appearances, two national championships, 2001 and most recently 2018. Congratulations, coach, on a great career, truly a legend. Did you know, Zach, that Pottsville had an NFL team at one time? Way back in the mid to late 20s.
1: I do think I remember that, actually.
0: You remember it?
1: Not the 1920s, but I, uh, not too long ago I was at the NFL Hall of Fame and I remember reading about Pottsville.
0: The Pottsville Maroons, 1925 to 1929. Of course, that's just another clumsy segue to bring up the NFL as, of course, the draft. It's like Christmas morning for you. Oh, it is, yeah. You get pretty excited for this thing. I mean, I can't fake it. <laughs> There's no reason for me to hide it. But like I've said before, and I believe this, You'd be hard-pressed to find anyone, anyone, even on the major networks, someone as knowledgeable and as well-informed as our guy Barletta. First, let me ask you this, the first round, who, in your opinion, is the winner and loser? Give me, give me some winners, give me some losers from the first round.
1: Well, that is not true, but I will absolutely take it. Uh, for the winners, uh, the first winner I had, um, believe it or not, is the SEC, Oh, yeah,
0: 15, 15 guys 15 of or the
1: 32 first-round players were, were SEC players, which is a new record, as well as six of the top 10 players in the first round, which is also a record. So the SEC did very well last night.
0: Little, little doubt which is the power conference in football, college yeah. football.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. The Minnesota Vikings were a winner for me. They came into the draft with obvious needs at wide receiver and corner. They got Justin Jefferson, who is a pretty good facsimile of what Stephon Diggs used to give them. Uh, And then Jeff Gladney, one of the top corners. So they came into the draft the first round with two needs, and they nailed them. So well done, Minnesota Vikings. The Tampa Bay Bucks were a winner for me. They only made uh, one pick, and they traded up to make it. But Tristan Wirfs, one of the top offensive tackles, most of the mocks that I did, he was not there at their pick at 14. And they they moved up one spot to 13.
0: Not even close, right? I mean, the Giants liked him at four and didn't take him. They went with the kid from Georgia.
1: What happened that ended up making a perfect domino of things for them is is at seven, Carolina takes Derrick Brown. So Isaiah Simmons falls to the Cardinals, and out of nowhere, the Cardinals take Isaiah Simmons instead of Wirf's. Wirf ends up tumbling all the way down to where the Bucs can get him. That's perfect for what Tom Brady needs. So the Bucs are a winner for me. The Chargers are a winner because they get Justin Herbert, so they get their quarterback. Then move up, they traded up back into the end of the round to get Kenneth Murray, one of the top linebackers available in the draft, to fill a need for them and really complete their really good defense. So the last winner I had was the fans that watched, because we've been talking for weeks about how we need sports, we need new content to watch, and it was tremendous. It was very entertaining content. It kept me interested all the way till after midnight when it ended.
0: You, you mentioned the the fans being the winners here. And I want to ask you about the presentation because to me it was sort of weird. But before I do that, you me- you mentioned Tristan Wurst. Mm-hmm. Was he the one player that surprised you by where he went?
1: One guy that surprised me with how far he fell was C.D. Lamb to the Cowboys at 17. He was expected to go off in a little run of wide receivers several picks before that in the 11, 12, 13 range. And he ends up dropping all the way to the Cowboys. He's a great fit for them. Their top three receivers of Cooper, Gallup, and Lamb is tremendous. He kind of just fell right into their laps, and Jerry made the pick from his yacht, and it was a good one.
0: You suppose that that probably takes place because there's so many receivers in this draft that mm-hmm. teams probably prioritize some other things, figuring, well, we can get a, a receiver later in the draft, which is why Lamb fell as far as—at least that's how I saw that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This You can get starters at wide receiver in this draft into the fourth, maybe even fifth round.
0: Now, again, going back to the presentation for a minute, you know I've never found the draft entertaining. It's not something I watch. Sure, I'll watch maybe the first pick or two. I'll always check the results. I'm interested in in what happened as we're talking now, but not to watch it. And This one, to me, seemed like it had to be different. This had to be like watching your beer league draft with guys <laughs> in their basement. What, what were your thoughts about the presentation itself?
1: Um, it was fun. You know, it took a few minutes to get used to. And there was a lot of extra stuff that they really didn't need. I felt like they tried to make up for the lack of having the in-person on stage stuff by adding extra stuff. They had a lot of little fluff pieces about COVID-19 with football players telling us, remember to stay home, we're all in this together, etc. They had Jennifer Hudson singing a whole song from her basement, which I felt we didn't need. But overall, I mean, once you got into it, it was just a draft. Goodell announced every pick. They had that little tune that they play before each pick. They had fans live on the television behind him, although they couldn't even find a full complement of 12 fans for the Chargers, which I thought was great. <laughs> but like, once you got a few minutes into it, it was just a draft, and it, it was fun. So I would say well done to ESPN and the NFL Network for being able to pull it off.
0: Who's your one loser if you had to pick one?
1: I'm going to say probably uh, probably Aaron Rodgers. You know, he was interviewed earlier in the day saying, I hope they get me some new weapons. I could use a new pass catcher. And instead, they traded up to draft his replacement, much like they did to get him when Brett Favre was the quarterback. And there have been reports out from people who know, friends of his, that he's not happy about it. Look, it's the NFL, buddy. This is what happens.
0: Right. Nothing is certain and nothing is forever in professional sports. It's not like there's going to be a quarterback competition. And as we're all finding out, the older we get, the less we can count on our health the way we once did. What was the big deal in the Packers taking Jordan Love? I thought it was a great move for them. Why the concern with Aaron Rodgers? Yeah,
1: I think that's one of the big differences between drafting in real life and playing Madden, right? Where in Madden, you've got an old quarterback. You want to draft a young quarterback to have ready behind him. It's just what you do. There's no interpersonal dynamic to it. Where here you have In real life, a guy with a big personality, a guy who's not afraid to go head-to-head with coaches and management, and without letting him know in advance, now they've drafted his replacement. So it'll be interesting to watch, see how that goes, see if he's a better mentor than we have seen some better quarterbacks or some veteran quarterbacks be. Um, But it was interesting, and it's definitely a big talking point today.
0: One thing is certain about the draft, and that's that nothing, nothing is certain. I don't have this information. I'd love to see some statistics on it. After you get beyond the first 10 or 12 picks of the opening round, I mean, there's just no sure things. Not to be disparaging, I don't mean to be negative, there are still nice players after those first 10 or 12 picks, but how often do you really get a franchise player after that? I know it happens. I could hear Tom Brady's name going through the minds of listeners as I said that. Within the first dozen picks of the opening round, you're more than likely, no guarantee, but more than likely to get a player who will impact your team. Now, let let me make this awkward application before we go to break. Look, we're a faith-based show. I want to make a spiritual application to this. There are not a great number of certainties really anywhere in life. Someone once said the list is pretty much death and taxes, so I think we can expound upon that list a little bit. The Bible gives us plenty of certainties, the Bible itself is certain because it's unchanging. Peter called it a more sure word. 2 Peter 1.19 says, So we have the prophetic word made more sure, to which you do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. And indeed, you would do well to pay attention to it. It is a light in a dark place. Here's a certainty. God will judge sin. He has to because he's absolutely holy. I've been going through the book of Jude with my high school class. It only has 25 verses, but it has taken us most of the week because the book is full of great lessons. One of the points Jude makes in warning about false teachers and those who intentionally divide, he says they will be judged. He gives several examples of people God judged, and it's a certainty that these people that he's warning about, well, they're going to be judged also. Jude verses 12 and 13 say this, "'These are spots in your feasts of charity, "'when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, "'clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, "'trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, "'twice dead, plucked up by the roots, "'raging waters of the sea.'" Foaming out of their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. The Christians of the time, what this is about, they'd get together for a group meal. You know, think of the Baptists and their potluck dinners. These things were called agape feasts, love feasts, and, and these men that he's warning about, these people that come in looking to divide, only looking at for their own selfish reasons, they would come in. He says they're blemishes, they're spots they fed themselves greedily, not caring about others who might go away hungry. They're like clouds without water. They're they're useless. They're good for nothing. Instead of bringing life-giving rain, they do little more than block out the sun. They're like the foam, the scum that washes up on the seashore. It comes with great arrival, you know, thunderous waves, but it offers nothing of value. He says they're like comets in the sky. The these, they, they get attention for a while, but then they vanish into darkness. And that's the point. That's their destiny, blackness of darkness forever. Unless these people repent, they would end up in hell, and they'd be there forever. The punishment of hell is forever because man's trying to pay for his own sins. He's offering an imperfect sacrifice, which is why that sacrifice is repeated over and over and over. You might think of the Old Testament where they're continually offering sacrifices. Because until Christ came along, there wasn't a perfect sacrifice. But that's the good news of the gospel. Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty of your sin so that you wouldn't have to. John chapter 3, verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But you have to accept it. I, I can offer you to buy you lunch, As a gift from me to you, but only if you let me. God would prefer that no one would die in their sins and perish in hell forever trying to pay the debt of their sin. But again, he is holy and therefore he is just. So without the forgiveness of sins, that is what will happen. But the Bible says if we confess our sins to God and we ask him to forgive us, that He will He will forgive us. 1 John one nine says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I hope you'd pray to God, and I hope you would admit your are sinning guilt to him. You know you're guilty. You know you're a sinner. You You know you can't pay the debt of your sin yourself. Let Jesus do it, but you have to accept it. You have to ask him to forgive you. Romans 10.13 says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Tell him that you believe, that Jesus died on the cross for you, that he was buried, that he rose again. Tell God that and ask him to forgive you of your sins. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 tell us that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes resulting in righteousness and with the mouth he confesses resulting in salvation. If we can help, just let us know. Perhaps you just simply like somebody to pray for you. Some, something's on your mind, something you're facing in your life. You can reach out to us through our website, btgprogram.com. Time to take a break. Thanks so much for being with us, along with Zach Barletta. I'm Rick Benson. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program. All right, let me talk to you a minute about Rock Cares. You know that community is all about people coming together to serve one another, to help one another. And what could be a greater example of that during this health crisis? By showing an act of kindness with a care pack from Rock Cares, which in turn helps keep local businesses and workers working and serving their community. Visit rockcares.info, R-O-C-cares.info, and choose from two fresh and delicious packages. Send one to yourself and one to someone who you want to know just how much you appreciate them. Plus, with every package purchased, a gift bag with fresh fruit and a healthy snack will be delivered to medical professionals on the front lines of this COVID virus. Visit Rock Cares Info. that's again roccares.info, or you can call them. Go Old Fashioned, 585-775-7520, rockcares.info, neighbors helping neighbors. Here now is the Red Hawks Recap brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. Due to the COVID-19 crisis, we can't really talk about the things we'd like to be talking about, but nonetheless, there are a couple of things I do want to share with you. First off, Roberts Wesleyan College will be holding its third annual Athletic Preview Day this August. The event is specialized for high school athletes who are interested in playing at the collegiate level for the Red Hawks. The event is scheduled for Monday, August 3rd from 8.30 a.m. to 2.45 p.m. Attendees and their families will have the opportunity to see the campus and the athletic facilities meet with coaches and professors, and hear from other student-athletes on their experiences as part of the Redhawks. There will also be opportunities to learn about NCAA compliance standards and how it relates to making sure that potential student-athletes are eligible for competition at the NCAA D2 level. Once again, that's Roberts Wesleyan College's Athletic Preview Day, Monday, August 3rd. And also remember that the Red Hawks Golf Scramble is coming up on July 20th. Make plans now as Roberts Wesleyan College hosts its 13th annual Red Hawks Golf Scramble on July 20th at Mill Creek Golf Club. If you're registered before May 1st, the cost is only $99. You can sign up at their website, robertsredhawks.com. And lastly, and they certainly did not ask me to do this, but I would like to acknowledge and say thank you to the members of Roberts Wesleyan College's athletic staff who teamed up once again with Pierce Memorial Church to serve in their weekly food pantry members of the men's lacrosse team join coaches and administrators from roberts to give out pre-packaged boxes of dry goods to families in need thanks red hawks for being a good neighbor in our community for updates and other roberts athletics news you can follow them on twitter at rwc red hawks this has been the red hawks recap presented by roberts Wesleyan college
2: do you know a high school athlete looking for a d2 college Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College, where athletics are fundamental to our commitment to educate for character. Our athletic program is strong and getting stronger every year. We offer 17 varsity sports, from lacrosse and basketball to track and field and soccer, and the only Division II athletic program in the area. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu.
0: Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. We're glad to have you with us as well. But without further ado, here is the aforementioned Zach Barletta as he takes us through this week's shenanigans topics.
1: All right. The Los Angeles Chargers newly released uniform changes are the best of any team this offseason.
0: I agree. Yeah. But but this trend is a little goofy, isn't it? I mean, for Mm -hmm. some of these teams, the changes are so subtle that it's barely noticeable. Right. Like the Browns? Yet they have this big reveal, this major announcement, and it just sort of fails to deliver anything all that significant. Hey, everybody, look, we added a stripe on our sleeve. Isn't it awesome? Yeah. But yes, from what I've seen, the Chargers, they seem to have the best looking. It's sharp.
1: Yeah, I I agree. The Browns' new uniforms, like I had to look at a side-by-side of the new ones and the old ones to even notice any differences because they look so much the same. The Falcons look like they just ripped off that movie The Replacements. <laughs> uh, the Patriots look like you know like they were rejects from the XFL. They're super boring. I, there just hasn't been anything real exciting. And when I heard the Chargers were redoing their uniforms, I was like, look, they just have to keep the powder blues. Those are so clean yeah. and so classic. And they they do. They have, I think they have two different powder blues this year. I really like their combinations. So that's an easy yes for me. Number two, on Tuesday, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers traded a fourth-round pick to acquire formerly retired tight end-slash-wrestler Rob Gronkowski from the Patriots. Truth or shenanigans, Gronk's production for the Bucs will be worth the pick that they gave up.
0: What do you think, Zach?
1: I don't think so. Uh, I mean, look, maybe for Tom Brady, for the comfort factor, being in a new city, on a new team, in a new offense, having a familiar weapon to throw to might be worth it. But a fourth-round pick for a guy that's 31 coming off some severe injuries, had really a down year in his last season that we saw him on the field. Um, I think he'll be worth more for ticket sales and jersey sales than he will in actual on-field production.
0: I actually disagree with you. I I think it's worth the fourth-round pick for a number of the reasons you pointed out, but also for what we talked about earlier in the show. Man, there's just nothing certain about the fourth round. Mm -hmm. At least you know what you have in Gronkowski. Mm -hmm. But I think for Tom Brady... I'm not sure you can put a value on Tom Brady having a familiar target, somebody he clearly works well. But I also have a hunch that it'll be probably worth it on the field, too. I, I He seems like, I. what do I know? I don't know the guy, but he seems like a guy that's driven by wanting to show people, wanting to prove himself. There's a pride issue. I, I think this change would be a rejuvenating breath of fresh air and uh, production on the field barring injury, at least for a year, will be well worth it.
1: Number three, Major League Baseball's response to the Houston and Boston cheating scandals has let players know that it's okay to cheat because the few guys in the organization will get blamed and the players will just get immunity for talking to Rob Manfred anyways.
0: You know, I think it seems that way, but I'm going to say shenanigans because I think the player punishment, though it's been weak, especially for the Astros, but I think players will take away the opinions and re- response from other players. I think that'll weigh heavy on them. We hear of policing their own. And some of that lost respect, look, you saw the responses from other players. Mm-hmm. It was harsh. And that means something to professional ballplayers. Yeah. And I think that will have more impact than any punishment the league could have handed out. I think that's going to be more of a detriment than anything the league could have been done.
1: I agree with the statement. Um, Maybe not completely in a vacuum, you would say it's okay to cheat, but definitely that it's okay to cheat in terms of your career being affected by the league. It's become painfully obvious. If you cheat in a way like this, the league's not going to suspend you. They'll talk to you. You'll give them somebody else's name and you'll be fine. Now, like you mentioned... The players police themselves. The Astros led spring training and hit by pitches before the virus shut everything down. And like you said, a lot of their peers disrespected them. But look, a lot of those players are getting big-time money. They have World Series rings. So I kind of feel like the league has almost in a way condoned it. Because look, if you can win a World Series ring and get a big contract, I think it's worth it in the end. I think you would trade the public shaming for that. So I don't know.
0: I, I think the opinion of other players means too much anybody looked at the astros in this thing i mean they cheated anyway so we already know that they're <laughs> losers but they were getting hit by pitches they knew what this season could they have had something to do were they was anybody in the houston astros in wuhan china so i hadn't
1: thought of that i just blamed carol baskin
0: is there a connection there We have just a little bit more to do. We hope you'll stick around. When we come back, we'll close out this week's show with our You Like That segment, leave you with something encouraging from the world of sports. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. This is Beyond the Game radio program. Community is all about people coming together to serve one another and help one another. What a great example during this crisis by showing an act of kindness with a care pack from Rock Cares, which in turn helps keep local businesses and workers working and serving their community. Visit rockcares.info and choose from two fresh and delicious packages. Send one to yourself and one to someone who you want to know just how much you appreciate them. Plus, with every package purchased, a gift bag with fresh fruit and a healthy snack will be delivered to medical professionals on the front lines of this COVID virus. Visit rockcares.info, that's R-O-C cares.info or call them at 585-775-7520. rockcares.info, neighbors helping neighbors.
2: If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles, Our teams have made three NCAA National Championship appearances, and 96 student-athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu.
0: Time to close out this week's show, but before we do, let's give you our You Like That for the week. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 and 16 say, therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. What I like this week is those making the most of their time in quarantine, giving us all the things social media was meant for. I can't tell you how many times I've come close so many times to deleting my social media accounts because it's just, it's so discouraging at times. So negative. But over these last few weeks, it's been gold. Uh, Now, I can't always say there's wisdom there. For instance, I saw a video of a kid, golf kid, appears to be in the basement of his home while his mother, sister, a tutor, who knows, some female is writing on a blackboard across the room. And as she's bent over writing, he cuts loose with his golf driver and hits her right in the fanny. By the way, beautiful swing, great shot, great shot. nails her. He, he wastes no time getting out of there running upstairs because he's in big trouble. But mm-hmm. so many great videos, videos of amazing trick shots have been going around, humorous situations, and of course, a fair share of funny animals. People resolving their boredom and entertaining us with their talents at the same time. Is what I you like this that? week. You like
1: that? What I like this week was Michael Jordan and uh, donating his proceeds from the show, The Last Dance. I know Michael Jordan stands to make between three and four million in proceeds for his part in the documentary, but it's been announced that he's donating all of it to charity. And it's obviously, we know he doesn't need it, but three to four million dollars is a nice chunk of change that's going to do some good. So Michael Jordan donating. All of his revenue from The Last Dance is what I liked this week.
0: There's a lot of guys. There's a lot of people who don't need it, but yet they don't donate it to charity. Mm, They don't need it, but they keep it themselves. So to see a guy donating to charity, man, that's a great thing. Well, that's our show for this week. Thanks so much for listening, and sorry we couldn't make all your dreams come true. Let me close with a reminder that the Beyond the Game program is mainly a listener-supported radio ministry. Thank you to the many who have supported us with both your prayers as well as with your generous donations. With your help, we've been able to bring the good news of the Bible to sports fans all around the world through Sports Talk Radio. We're asking that you would pray for us, and if God lays it on your heart to make a financial contribution to this ministry, that could be a one-time gift, it could be a recurring amount. Please visit our website, btgprogram.com. We're going to be off for the next couple weeks, but we'll be back in the studio real soon. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at this same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody.